Hi, I'm Trenton Stander. Hi, I'm Tim Brown. And, and this is the Open Heart Cast. Let's get into episode 19 of the Open Heart Cast, man. Deep philosophical shit. Well, can, can we just wait? <laughs> can we just warm up a little bit? No, yeah. I want to throw you in the deep end. I want oh, to see you smoke. No. Oh, no. I haven't <laughs> even got any doobie here. Sucks. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, you were talking about Kant's work. Earlier. Yes, the, the universal law. Yes. But, um, yeah, what's, what rules that apply to me should apply to everybody. Otherwise, they're immoral rules. Yeah, that's that's one of Kant's uh, things, that if it's going to be wrong, then it needs to be wrong all the time, otherwise mm. it's immoral. Yeah, it goes um, against the, the code. Immoral almost sounds like the wrong word to use, though, but but it, like you understand what we're getting at. If, if you go into ethics, then it's immoral. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because uh, ethics are either moral or immoral. There's mm. no sort of grey water in between. Right, right. Or right. there shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Yeah. yeah. It's like if you expect somebody to do something for you mm. uh, or, or not to do something that you've asked them not to do, then they need to respect that same law. Otherwise, it's unethical. Or you should also respect that law. Yeah. It, it, goes, it goes both ways. Mm. should go both ways. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the time. That's that's the problem. I was having a discussion uh <laughs> with with my girlfriend the other day about this very topic and we were talking about uh we were talking about you know whether you know do like she she wasn't comfortable with me doing psilocybin and I did it anyways mm. and uh and then there was something that she wanted to try again that I wasn't comfortable with and then we got into a, a semi argument about this and she was kind of saying that, you know, you do this stuff, and then when I want to do it, like, then it's not okay. And that's that's bullshit. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. And uh, I don't even – it was a silly argument to get into, but, I mean, we sorted it out since. But but that's kind of the, the crux of it, really, mm. is that you can't, you can't say, okay, well, it's fine if I do it, mm. but it's not fine if you do it. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's nonsense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you're a parent. It's like, a lot of the times they do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, not as I do. <laughs> but yeah. you know, when you're a parent, it's a lot of the times the advice you're giving to your children is, don't make the same fucking stupid mistakes as I did. The problem with that is, that, like, it's. Look, I'm not a parent, but. Mm. I, like, my father has always led by example, mm. and uh, and I think that's a great way to, to go about mm. things, because you can't then, as a child, point fingers at your father and say, mm. "Oh, well, you've done it like this, so mm. what are you what are you getting at here?" Mm. But like to say, "Do as I say, not as I do," mm. like that's that's bullshit. It is, and that's I mean, bullshit. my father also led led by example, so. You try to be a good example, but it relates, you know, learning from your, getting your children to learn from your mistakes rather than having to make them themselves. Yeah. At some point, they have to make their own mistakes. They do. They do. And, and it, yeah. 
it goes it goes a little bit to the way uh, when I was listening, we were talking about that podcast I listened to with Jordan Peterson and Jocko mm. Willink. Mm. And the benefit of being able to read and communicate, uh, especially reading, mm. you can, what, what Jordan Peterson said is when he was reading Nietzsche and Carl Jung and uh, Dostoevsky and those people, it's a summary of like 30 years of the experience. Mm. or 40 years of the experience that you can condense into 8 to 30 or 40 hours. Mm. You can condense that and you can learn without having to go through that whole process. Yeah. And I think that's, a, that's what people miss when it comes to, to reading. Yeah. Um, I think. Because you, you being able to read and understand – and having that enthusiasm to read, yeah, um, you can learn so much more without having to go through those experiences. It's yeah. like if if you read um, uh, what's it Franklin Franklin's uh, Man's Search for Meaning, yeah, you can understand the conditions of the concentration camp without having to go through the concentration camp. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to go through hardship intentionally just mm. to to understand it. There, there's mm. benefits in learning from mistakes mm. for sure, yeah, 100%. But at the same time, you're a bit of a fool not to learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah. And um, Jocko and, and Jordan was talking about um, there was an interview with uh, – that Russian um, chess player, that grandmaster Kas Kaspersky or Kasparov, okay. and um, he was in his fifties already. And they interviewing asked him, you know, what do you think of this new young guy who's like in his teens? Uh, do you think you could beat him? And he says, no, he's got the advantage. And Jordan explained it. He says, well, uh, Kasparov had to learn certain techniques or moves to get out of certain situations and because chess is so well documented the younger guy could just read that and then he'll know mm. if it's this situation I do that to get out of it and also you've got uh, Jordan Peterson explained you've got your IQ stays fairly stable through your life but there's two parts to it there's the cognitive part which enables you to learn, which starts to decline after 25. And then I think it's the reasoning or the thinking part, which continues growing as you get older. Now, if your cognitive function goes down, then your, your chess ability almost gets a little bit weaker. That's why Kas uh, Kasparov said that the younger guy has the advantage. Okay. Because he's, because he's still more pliable. And, and he's still he's still able to learn much quicker. Much quicker. Okay. All right. Whereas Kasparov has all experience, but that yeah. guy could have read all the books on all his games mm. because it's all well documented. Mm. Um, I think that's, that's one of the things that makes history quite difficult is when you've got a written story about what happened Mm. But if that wasn't written at the time it happened and is written afterward, how much of it it gets distorted? It gets distorted. It's yeah. like the broken telephone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you, the more the message convey gets conveyed, the 
more deviates from the truth. Yes. Because your mind is, is also imperfect. Yeah, your memories are most certainly... <coughs> so what happens is what you perceive as reality mm. gets distorted the more times you go through it. Yes. Um, yeah. Because some things get forgotten and other things get added. Yes. Yes, that's true. That's true. How, how much of a... Like, just talking about how your mind develops as you get older mm. and your reasoning ability and, mm. and your uh, your ability to be flexible in the mm. way that you think and, and, and things like that. How much do you think being open-minded contributes to that? Uh, I think it's extremely important. I think the, the more – look, you've got to be open-minded enough to, to learn and to uh, move forward. But you can't be that open-minded that your mind falls out. <laughs> that's true. That's true. It's it's like it's like this to me. It's like mm. there's there's certain things that you know are not, or you think you know are mm. not going to be beneficial to you mm. or whatever. But like. Even to listen to silly arguments or silly yeah. discussions that you're not on board with or you're mm. not entirely keen on, on mm. pursuing or whatever, like, do you think that there's a benefit in just hearing the discussion come to fruition and, and, and like, not picking apart the, the argument, but just trying to understand where the person's coming from? Mm. Because even if, even if you don't agree, mm. You can gain, I think you can gain something from that still. Yeah. You can gain an understanding of the person that you're dealing with, how mm. to communicate with them better, how to reason better, how to be more patient with mm. people. Would you say that that's a fair argument to make? I think it is because even if you, <clears throat> after the discussion, say even if you still don't agree with the person, mm. at least you have a better understanding of their point of view and where they're coming from. Mm. Mm. And, you know, one thing as you get older is you learn that everything you know now is wrong mm. because it, it, it continue, continuously changes. Yeah. So if you look at the development of physics, the physics they had in the, in the, the time of the Crusades and stuff is all wrong. I mean, the church said the earth was the center of the solar system. Mm. It's not all wrong, but... A lot of it was wrong because that was our understanding. Yeah. And um, I was watching Jordan Peterson. We're going to have to start doing push. <laughs> but uh, with uh, Stephen Fry. Because Stephen Fry is an is a actor, writer, philosopher, atheist, all sorts of things. But um, he said uh, when philosophy and science start going apart, it's a bad thing because uh, if you look at the development of sciences over the ages, they've always be, had a, a philosophical um, underlying theme, mm. so to say. Um, and I think the philosophy drives the science. That's interesting. That's, that's his, his opinion. Mm. So if you look at like alchemy, 
you know, making gold from other things. That's what developed into chemistry, basically. Didn't I believe uh, mercury, there was some discussion about turning mercury into gold or something mm. like that back in the day? Back in the day, there was all, and turning lead into gold. Yeah, turning lead into gold was another because one. Because that pseudoscience, as they want to call it now, brought rise to chemistry. Hmm. And it was a philosophical thing of we, if 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 things are made up of the four elements, earth, uh, wind, water, and fire, mm. so to say, is what they believed. That's what drove the alchemy. And then the alchemy, when they had a better understanding, then they started to get down to compounds and elements and things like that. This is. Man, this is so interesting. I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not crazy knowledgeable about all this stuff. But it's it, like while we're discussing all of this, yeah. it's 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 so crazy because you it, it feels like humanity as a whole mm. has got this massive jigsaw puzzle, mm. and there's little elements in between that have gaps. There's big elements in between yeah. that have gaps and mm. and. And problems that we're trying to solve, and and things whether it's medicinal or scientific problems or mathematical problems or mm. whatever it is mm. that we're trying to build this jigsaw puzzle in such a way where we can have an accurate picture of where we need to go with this in the future. Mm. And all of these little bits and pieces are have to be put in the right order for you to get the. The big picture. Yeah. But you've also got a lot of pieces that you don't really have right now. Yeah. Or you don't understand where they fit exactly. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out where everything goes and mm. what makes the most sense. Mm. It's like archaeological finds that mm. they try and date and then they're like, okay, but this now challenges what we have said in the past. Mm. Do we now accept that? Or do we say this is bullshit? So we're going to shelve it because it doesn't fit our current model or and our that's narrative a, or our narrative. And that's, that's a huge error. And I think it's a massive error. Uh, Graham Hancock spoke quite a bit about it because he he's, yeah, he said the problem with archeology span now mm. is that it's narrative driven and not philosophically driven. Or mm. he didn't say that, but I'm, I'm putting that in there. Yeah. But in order to get, say, a degree and a master's and a doctorate to become a professor in archaeology, you have to write what's accepted. Mm. So you can't challenge... You can't challenge the accepted models. So his theory is that... One of his theories is that before the Ice Age or when the polar caps melted or, or whatever, like 12,000 years ago or whatever, that you can see the water erosion on the Sphinx. He His theory is that there was more advanced civilizations that were capable of sea travel because they have found archaeological evidence in North America of people that were there that shouldn't have been there. Mm. Now, if you try and uh, investigate that or pursue that direction in an academic down. situation, you're going to get shut down yeah. because it doesn't go to the narrative. Yeah. Which I think is very, which is what causes a limitation in the ac academic field. 
if you're in a commercial field and you discover that water is better with fucking Himalayan salt in it, mm. the commerce of it and the and the business cause behind it will justify it. Mm. So it's not limited by what the academics say, so to say, if that makes sense. Mm. No, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're and, saying. And it's I got think, something behind it to drive mm. it. And I think that's what causes, you know, if you look at people who are very successful in business, they don't like the academics and the academics don't like them because the people that are very successful in business earn lots of money. The academics that do the research don't earn a lot of money. But they have all this knowledge, mm. but they can't apply it. Yeah, well, yeah. the the wise don't always have the riches, and the riches don't always, and the rich don't always have the wisdom. I mean, look that's, at that's Richard Branson. I don't even think he's got equivalent of a trick. Mm. He was very dumb, so to say, at school, but his um, emotional IQ mm. was extremely high. Mm. Um, so he knew how to get the most out of people. Mm. And he says, if you look after the people, your people, they will look after the customer. So he, the theory that the customer is always right is wrong. Mm. Or the customer comes first is not right. Yeah. Your people come first. And if your people come first, they will look after the customer. Yes. Because they know that, that they, you've got their back. They, they in the, they've got the same goal in mind, yeah. basically. Yeah. Or they're on the same, now I can't remember, but they're on the same, they've got the same goals. Mm. So if you look in business, uh, this is what Jocko was talking about because he's got that uh, leadership consulting thing. Mm -hmm. So he want, his theory is he wants to help more people mm -hmm. with the experience he's got and help them be better at business. So the motive of business is to make money. One of the motives, mm. but it's also to solve people's problems. Mm -hmm. So if there's less ego involved, if say we competing, say for budget, if I look after you that and help you make your project success, then the business is going to be successful. And if that's reciprocated, so you help me on my stuff so that the company can make more money or whatever, then you have a happy ecosystem which mm. causes the business to grow. Oh, it's a symbiosis of two it's, businesses. Or, or, or people within the business. Yeah. So, But if you have someone who is takes all the shine, eventually they're going to get worked out. Mm. People on It's like when, uh, one of Jordan's rules is, um, or one of his things is that children need to learn how to play nicely with other kids. Because it's crucial in their development and it leads on to later things in your life is if you know how to play nicely with other people, mm. then people will want to play with you. Yeah. So one if, of his other things though, mm. like not to counter what you're mm. saying, but he's also, he, one of his other things is that young men need to learn how to be competitive. There's no, mm. there shouldn't be this, reward system for attending yeah. like a certificate of attendance like that's bullshit yeah like, you have to have competition mm -hmm. but you have to have 
healthy it's, competition. It needs to be healthy competition. Yeah. And I, th- I think that that's what puts me off a lot about like the American reality shows, whatever. There's always this conflict. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put that guy over type thing. Mm, mm. Um, and that's not healthy well, competition. That, that's, it's reality TV brings out the worst in people and it almost seems like it's encouraged. Yeah. That, that, Okay, there's this dude, he's super competitive. Let's mm-hmm. enhance that and make a situation worse than what it should be. And it gives you a bad taste in your mouth if you're not if you're not that kind of person. It's like it, it if I I compare it to MasterChef. Now if you watch the the American version and you watch the Australian version, they're very different. Okay. It's the same competition. But I find that the Australian one is more about the people support each other more and the judges are not there just to make harsh comments. They're not all Simon Cowell's. Mm. Look, they'll make harsh comments, but where it's justified. Mm. And they will try and make the comment in a way that you can learn from it mm. instead of like Gordon Ramsay, why did the chicken cross the road? Because you didn't fucking cook it. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon's brutal though. He's, he's brutal, brutal, but you must understand his his upbringing. His he, his upbringing. He had a difficult time with his father, and also he he wasn't. His original plan wasn't to be a a chef. Mm. He was very good at in football or soccer, mm. and then he broke his leg, mm. so mm. he couldn't pursue that. Yeah. So he's got that type of. He's not hoity-toity. Mm. He's like grass level yeah. type person. So yeah. he calls a spade a fucking shovel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is nice in a way. Um, and I think people, if you watch his Hell's Kitchen or whatever, where they goes in yeah. to fix up these restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not doing it to be mean. Yeah. He's doing it so that you can be a success. Yes. So if you take it personally. Then he's going to take you on. If you take it personally, then you're not going to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's where the the, the ego. That's why everybody should do psilocybin because they can have the dissolution of the ego. Whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think everybody should do it. I think there's there's people who are definitely going to break down if they do it. But uh, I think all politicians should do it, and then they'd be a bit yeah, more moral. The, it definitely gives you that feeling. It's like you need humbling. to be a better person, dude. Yeah. It's very humbling. It's very humbling. Mm. But that's the thing. Like, I, I mean. I think that I think that a lot of people, and I've said this before, think a lot of people are just way too cocky, mm. way too cocky with everything, mm. everything. And when you and when you do something like psilocybin mm. or you know that, that that's DMT. it or DMT or whatever, that's the only thing I can relate to psilocybin because mm. I've done it. But when you do something like that. It's it's so way outside anything I've ever experienced. And mm. if you haven't done psilocybin, um, you can't you relate. can't you can't relate to it. Uh, but it it gives you this uh, it gives you this feeling as like you don't know anything, you mm. don't know anything, and you should just you should just be more humble and just accept that you're actually meaningless. You're not it's, you're it's not this, anything substantial. I think it, it if you to, to try and describe the psilocybin experience would be like trying to explain the feeling of skydiving to someone who doesn't even know what it's like to fly. 
Yeah. Because it, it's, it's that so far off what is, is your perception of reality. Yeah, and, 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 and this is the thing that you've, you'll find with people who travel a lot or mm. people who uh, have experienced a lot of things mm. is that they've generally got a very well-rounded uh, understanding of the way that they react to different cultures mm. in different places because they've traveled a lot and, mm. and that there's, there's certain aspects of different people that they really appreciate. This mm. culture is very hospitable. This mm. culture is very kind or loving mm. or, or this culture is maybe not so loving or whatever. And I, I don't want to get like cultural about this, but what I'm trying to say is that Depending on your experiences mm. that you've had in your life, you start getting a different perspective on things. Mm. And that's the point. I mean, if you if you go back to something like Fear Factor, mm. some people have got like crazy abilities in certain regards, mm. but then you chuck a whole bunch of bees on them and they're like, they're fucked. Mm. You know, because they, they just can't do that or they have to deal with being underwater for extended periods of time. Mm. So everybody's got a weakness. Mm. And if you if you strong enough of a person to say, okay, I know this is my weakness. Mm. I'm not just going to ignore it. Mm. I'm going to take it on head on mm. and see how I can build a tolerance mm. for that or build an understanding of how to get past that. Mm. I think that that's very beneficial. And I think that's what psilocybin does mm. is it breaks all your shit down mm. and it says, this is just a pile of shit. We're going to take that away from you. Mm. And now you've got fucking nothing. Mm. So deal with it. Mm. And, and you can't escape it. It's not like you can run away from it. Mm. Once you've taken it, it's in your system. You're mm. fucked. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to run, you're going to spend that whole trip running Mm. And you're not going to get anywhere because well, the, the psilocybin is just like if you try and guide it mm. and you try and say, no, 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 no. It's like, oh, oh, is it? Oh, yeah. no, fuck you. Fuck you. We're going here. We're going that's, here. That, uh, that um, interview I saw with the guy that did the – he was in charge of the, of the psilocybin studies in, in uh, John Hopkins. Mm. And he said when they do like the pre-trip brief – or whatever. It's actually a, it's a long session so that the person who's going to get the psilocybin can build rapport and trust in their guide. Mm. They told that if you see a demon, you should approach the demon with the inquiring mind. Mm. If you try and fight the demon, then your whole trip will be fighting the demon. Mm. If you try and run away, mm. you're never going to get away. Mm. You're still going to be running when the finish is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it it's sort of like you have to face up to what's what your demon is. Mm. And not try and fight it, try and understand it, because if you can try and understand it then you can move forward. Yes. And this is this is very much the, the, the thing that you get is it's I mean, as as you were saying earlier, mm. to try and ex try and explain it is such a difficult thing mm. because there's you can't watch anything on TV or you mm. can get something that looks trippy, mm. but it's I mean, in terms of video or something mm. like you can get something that maybe looks a bit trippy and you're like, oh, kind of looks a little bit like what I saw on some mm. side, but it's nowhere near 
as mm. vivid. Yeah. Like your mind's just doing shit all the time and you just mm. and it's just it it seems to have so much meaning. Mm. And when you talk with this much conviction about mm. it, people think you're fucking nuts. Because yeah. you you're explaining something to them that's so foreign. That's so foreign that they can't mm. They can't even understand, and they just think this guy's a fucking retard. It's like if you try and explain quantum physics to a ten-year-old. Oh yeah, no, he's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you on? <laughs> yeah. It's that. That's exactly the thing, and I and I see this when I when I talk to my brother about it. He's mm. he's curious, but he's not like you can see. He's, he's not convinced. quite getting it, mm. and he's not really on board with it either. Mm. Um, and. Uh, I think this is where the open-mindedness mm. just comes in. Is just, you know, if I'm not saying you need to do it, I'm not mm. saying anybody needs to do it. I'm just saying I found it beneficial, mm. and I think it could be beneficial for a lot of people, and it's been proven to be beneficial for well, a lot the, of people. The latest research has shown how much more. Uh, beneficial it is for treating mental illnesses like depression and anxiety far better than any of the existing uh, pharmaceuticals out there mm. or drugs because mm. what they are they're drugs although they you know approved by the FDA and all yeah, that what well, that's all it is is just, I mean how many people abuse pharmaceutical drugs that's not just that abuse constr constr uh, uh, prescription drugs well the other I was watching another podcast where they were talking about the dangers of antidepressants or, or, or drugs for um, mental health. Mm -hmm. And all the studies that are done to get stuff approved is a 12-week study. That's probably like, like mostly, most of, most of them are just 12 weeks long. So, you only study the thing for 12 weeks, but what happens after 12 weeks? What's the long-term effects of antidepressants or uh, even the stuff for the Harlem Shakes, anti, anti, or anti-seizure medication? Yeah, anti-convulsants. And anti-psychotic medication. What's the long-term? Mm. Because um, it was actually uh, Michaela Peterson, that's Jordan's daughter, mm. was talking about it. She said... When they went to the, she took him to the, they took him to this Russian hospital to help him get him off benzos because he was having extremely bad reactions to it where it felt like there were things crawling under his skin. Oh, Jesus. That she had never seen her dad suffer so much. And there was no help in, in North America. They all want to wean him off. But the problem is, if he doesn't take it, he had huge withdrawals. And if he does take it, he's got the stuff crawling under his skin. Oh. And they want to taper it off. And if they want to taper it off, he's probably going to kill himself before he gets to that point. And then the worms are going to get clever. Yeah. So when they took him to Russia, and they did an MRI of his brain, they said you can see brain damage from the, the, the medication for depression and anxiety. Because he's been taking it for so long. Oh. They, they don't really study the long-term effects of things. I, I don't know how true this is. I heard, I heard something about when, they, when they're looking at like medications and stuff like that. They, uh, thank you, sir. 
that they just have to prove that it's effective and that and that it's relatively safe or something like that. Yeah. But then you talk like that. So when I was in hospital, they put me on stuff for cholesterol, anti-cholesterol, statins. Statins? That's what they call. Sounds like a chewing gum. Now, if you, if you want to go into to, to access the research on it, you can't. Because it's owned by a group that won't release that data. Shit. Which makes scary. it scary. Why won't they share the data? Mm. Because some of the side effects from the statins are extremely bad. And they're not, they're like sort of hidden away. And you can't challenge it because you can't access the information. That's scary. That's the, that's, I think that's the dark side of, of pharmaceuticals or the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. The, uh, I just want to grab my phone so I can end it as well. Yeah, I, I think that's, it's a it's a huge problem when it comes to uh, medicines in general is that you've got a lot of medicines out there that are potentially extremely dangerous and we're not being informed on on what's like they tell you, okay, this is what's in it and whatnot. But mm. I mean, the average person that that doesn't know a lot about medicine and things like that, or doesn't research it or anything like that, they're not going to know whether this is good or whether this is bad, or uh, you know, they just trust that the doctors know this is okay. So this has been prescribed to me by a doctor, and this is fine. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go and take this shit, and now. You're taking it for your health, but it's affecting your health later in life as well. Yeah. And then you have to spend more money to get well again. Yeah. And it's just it's just feeding the system. It's that, like the it's like in America what they talk about is the the military industrial com com uh, com 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 something military industrial complex or okay that so to say drives the war. Because in order to make money, they need to sell shit that, that, that gets used in war. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that the pharmaceutical industry is, is, has lost its direction almost. Instead of when it, when it began, it was helping people. Now it's making money. Yeah. It's, I mean... Obviously, there are people in the industry who genuinely want to help people. Yeah. 100%. I believe that. But those people are also restricted by what they can and can't do because mm. of the, 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 the control of money. The control of money and mm. the control of research. Like if you, you look at the whole debate on COVID about the use of ivermectin, it's it's a deep dark subject to go into. Ivermectin. It's an antiparasite medication that is, according to some scientists, proven as a prophylaxis, as a prophylactic, so a prevention of COVID, and also for the treatment of COVID. But it's for parasites. 
It's a parasite, yeah. But it's but it's not COVID is not a parasite. It's a virus. It's a virus, but the scientific trials show that it works. Okay. So, and the thing with it is, it's been around for so long, they know the medication. They know the side effects. They know what it does to your liver or your kidneys or mm. things like that. Mm. Whereas, you know, everybody must go get a vaccine. It's a new type of vaccine. It's a, a, a lot of them are mRNA, so messenger RNA targeted. So we don't have the scientific database on that type of vaccine because it's new. Shit. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's a cock-up. It's, I mean, the, the time that they generally, I mean, I'm not sure of the, the time frame that they generally take to develop a, a vaccine for any given illness, yeah. but I mean, or, or virus. But this is way too fast. It is way too fast to even try and measure what is this going to do to us in the long term. And, and the then you have you have no recourse because to get the vaccine you have to sign a waiver, mm. which I think is is wrong. Yeah, it's the only it's, way they it, can protect themselves, though. So it's it's yeah, it's, they, they must have some sort of protection. I'm not I'm not agreeing with it. I'm just saying like this this is why they're doing it. That's, they want some sort of protection, but. Yeah. Why do they want that protection? Because they either they know or or they don't know what what the long term effects are. And I think that's why I I think the mandatory vaccine is wrong because it's your sovereign right to determine what goes into your body. Mm. And if the vaccine is so effective, if seventy percent of the population takes it. Why does the other 30% need to? Yeah. I, I don't know what to say to that. It's, it's a it's a ethical question. Mm. It's the same as to say, like, uh, in Jehovah's Witnesses, mm. you don't take blood. Mm. You can decide what level, in your based on your beliefs, to go, mm. and that's the line, your line in the sand. Yeah, whether you're going to take plasma for for uh, snake bites and things like that. Yeah, um, so it's 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 your it should be your choice. Mm. Um, so forcing it is authority is authoritarian. Yeah, and it's it's not. You know, there's a lot of bad things that have happened in the world for the greater good. Like, truly horrifying things. So, the start of, 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 uh, the Nazis was the greater good. The greater good of the German people at the expense of the Jews. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a very extreme example, though. It's uh, <clears throat> look, the the ideal of the greater good is good. It's not a bad ideal, but it can go seriously off the beaten track and end up somewhere which is truly horrifying. Yeah, which it was. 
Mm. It was extremely horrifying, and the and the things that they did were, I mean, demonic. Mm. But you you know that the concentration camps that they had, they weren't the first people to develop that. Mm-mm. The British no. did it in the Anglo Boer War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, did. yeah, it's you know nothing is new under the sun. Yeah, nothing is new. Mm. Um, man's inhumanity to mankind has been around since mankind has been around, mm. and and it's it's disgusting. It's no, dis- look- it's truly and utterly disgusting the mm. way man treats man mm. because of uh, religious differences or or, or Belie- tribalism or belief systems or belief systems mm. or whatever it may be. It's mm. it's it, it, like could you imagine a world? Where everybody just gets on, there's no problems, there's no racial tension, there's no, uh, there's no, um, what's the word, uh, sexist, uh, homophobic, whatever, whatever. Mm. like no wars, no sickness, no illness, mm. like that would be an amazing world to live in. And everybody was just friends and everybody just got on with each other and there was just no problems. Mm. Like we can't even imagine a world like that because mm. it's never been possible. Well, you're always going to have people that are evil. Mm. It, it's You can't have good without evil. So, yeah, I, I, oh, sorry to interrupt you, mm. but I was having a very, very interesting, I can't even remember who it was with, but mm. um, I was having a very interesting, oh, it was my friend Pierre, you met Pierre the other day, uh, and I was chatting to him about, like, okay, so if God is, the Bible tells us that God is good, God mm. is love, God is all these things, all these good things. But God's also proven himself to be a God of war. Mm. He's also proven himself to to do things or he's commanded, he's like he commanded the Israelites to do certain things that in our way of looking at it mm. from a moral standpoint seem crazy bad, mm. like, like really, really bad shit. Mm. And it was commanded by God to go and take out the Philistines or or take out the Canaanites and and what about and, the flood and, and the flood and things like that but so, but this is the point is like so what you were saying there is <clears throat> you can't have good without evil and that i think is true but at the same time it's like i don't know i, I don't know what to think because there's, there's all this evidence, if you believe in God, mm. there's all this evidence of, of a loving creator that we've got beautiful things mm. around us. We've got color, we've got taste, we've got mm. sound, we've got smell, we've got beautiful music and languages, mm. varieties of languages mm. and, and variety of culture mm. and, and, and kindness and love and mm. patience and all these virtuous qualities that people, that good people can have. Mm. And that's evidence of love and and kindness and goodness and mm. all of these things. But there's also wickedness, mm. extreme wickedness. And it's like, is that innate within humans or is that how we've been created to appreciate goodness because we can see evil? I think 
I think that's part of the the ability to the knowledge of good and evil. So, <clears throat> if you only had a, had a knowledge of good, what benefit would it be? Because you don't know the consequences. Mm. If you know the consequences of not doing things, like not being kind, then it calf gives you more impetus to be kind. Mm. So, if you've been through suffering, you can empathize with someone who's going through similar suffering. So, if you are a good person, you're going to be kind to them because you understand that they are suffering. But, but if, yeah, okay, carry on. But now if you're a dick, yeah. when you're suffering, then what's your, what's your right to demand that people are kind to you? Yeah, yeah. It's that universal law. Yeah, I hear you, I hear you. But if there is no wickedness, mm. then good just becomes the thing to do. That That's all it is. But and it won't even be perceived as good, will it? Because, like, mm. in terms of good and bad, we, we always have that idea that mm. this is either, like, we're conscious of it every single day. Mm. All our lives, every single day, we learn it from when we're young all the yeah. way to when we, when we die. Yeah. It's like, this is good, this is bad. This is going to hurt me, this is going to help me. This mm. is emotionally beneficial or it's not. You know, well, this is this is going to suck. Yeah. For a year, but after a year, yeah, it will be better. Yeah. And 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 this is this is this is the thing as well is that, like, I was talking to to my girlfriend the other day about like my idea of perfection. Like, if people mm. were perfect, mm. if people were truly perfect. In my mind, that means that you can learn a skill and never make a mistake. Mm. Maybe that's unrealistic, but I mean, it is because nobody is perfect. The thing is, you learn far more from mistakes. From, by failing or from mistakes yeah. than you do from getting it right the first yeah. time. Yeah, but then, the, the, and that's the point I was making is that. Mm. If you get everything right the first time because you're perfect and you and mm. you just have gifted. You, you're gifted and you and you just don't need to struggle at all, mm. then how can you appreciate the struggle? How mm. can you appreciate this this effort that you've put in to acquire the skill that is difficult, extremely difficult, and then everybody can do it? Then what mm. makes you special? Well, you're not special. Yeah, but but I mean the way we look at things mm. now. But if you if you if you think about it like mm. this, why do you have a mentor? Because mm. you realize that that person, like in knife making, for yeah. example, Jack is my mentor, mm. right? Now, if I was perfect and Jack was perfect, I might need to go to him to say, okay, so how do you do this? Cool, sweet. I don't need anything more from you because yeah. I know now how to do it. Yeah, it's fine. So mm. I don't need you anymore. Mm. So if it, everything was perfect, would there be any meaning? Well, that, that's the other question. Because, you know, it's like the pursuit of happiness is a bad pursuit because you're never going to achieve it. 
Because there's always going to be something you're unhappy about. But if your aim is to be a better person or better off tomorrow or today than what I was yesterday, that is a noble pursuit. That's a good way of looking at it. Because if you're chasing money, you're never going to have enough. Mm. It's like the, the, the they say money can't buy happiness, but it's the wrong analogy. Because if you have nothing, money solves all your problems. And if you have, if you don't, sorry, if you don't have money, money solves all your problems. But if you have money, it solves none of your problems. Mm. So you're always going to have problems or challenges. The goal should be to make choices that allow you to have better problems. Well, here's the thing about that conundrum as well, is that <clears throat> there are there, there is such a variety of problems mm. that no one man can truly experience them all. Yeah. No one person can truly experience every single problem that, mm. that any like there's been many, many, many millions of millions or billions of people throughout the Earth's history all the way up until this mm. point that have lived and died and faced similar problems to what we're facing or very different problems to what we're facing. They've all experienced, and there's there's certain problems that are common to mankind, for sure, mm. like hunger, sickness, death, mm. uh, all of these things that we, that we can relate to. Mm. But... Say for example, you you you're brought up in a, an abusive household. Mm. There's a group of people who can relate to that. Yeah. Maybe you brought up in a very poor household. Mm. There's lots of people who can relate to that. Maybe you brought up and you've had uh, ill. You've been ill since you were young, all the way into your adult mm. life. That's a different set of problems. You got mm. all these different sets of problems, and so for one person to say this is how you deal with those problems. You can only look at it from your perception mm. of the problems that you faced and dealt with mm. because you faced and dealt them. Mm. But there's such a, a wide variety of problems to try and understand and, and get a meaningful background mm. and understanding of emotions, circumstances, um, feelings, well, that's emotions mm. as well. But like you, no one person can truly say I understand everything. Mm. There's, there's, no, there's no way. It's not possible. It's not possible. But it should. It, to try and gain understanding of everything is impossible. But the pursuit of it is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm. So realizing that you may never achieve that shouldn't put you off trying to achieve that. It shouldn't put you off, but the, I think there's I think there's certain attributes that you can you can pursue that will enable you to be more understanding of people who have said problems. Mm. Like what what are one of those attributes? Mm. One of them is empathy, which mm -hmm. is driven by love. Yeah. Right? Love for your fellow man. Yeah. If you can have love for somebody mm -hmm. and you can look at them and say, I feel for this person mm -hmm. because I can see their suffering, mm -hmm. that's love and empathy and, and it's, kindness. It's, it's not necessarily to say that you understand it. Yeah. 
or their perspective of it. Yes. But you can, without feeling pity, because pity is not a good thing, uh, but empathizing or sympathizing to say, look, this person is behaving in this way because of what they're going through. Yeah. Instead of saying, stop being a dick or pull yourself towards yourself mm. or saying to your girlfriend or your wife or whatever, just calm down. It's like throwing yeah. oil on the fire. It's, 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 it's throwing fuel on the fire. Yeah. So there's, there's certain things within us all. Everybody's got, everybody's got certain qualities about them. Uh, everybody's got uh, strengths. Everybody's got weaknesses. Mm. And there's a lot of kinds out there. Mm. But here's the thing. It's like every – I believe mm. that every human on this planet is capable mm. of love. Mm. They're capable of kindness. They're capable of goodness. These mm. are innate qualities of mankind. Mm. So – but the problem there is that not everybody practices those mm. qualities and to practice them, it's a conscious effort to mm. keep practicing these things. Mm. And that's where, you know, things like religion have, have survived because they give us a moral compass and they give us a an, an understanding or uh, at least a, of like this is a way to live a more moral or virtuous life. It's not and, and, and help people and, and do good onto others. I'm not saying they don't have their own um, Downfall. downfalls. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, humans have this need for guidance. Uh, guidance, yes, but I think more importantly, it's a sense of community. It is a sense of community. Because we grew up as tribes. Mm. So you need to belong to something. Mm. Otherwise, you won't find, I don't think you can find meaning. Because you can't do everything by yourself. Mm. You can't purify your own water, generate your own liquid. It's, it's not possible. So you have to rely on your community or the people around you for, in order for you to survive. So if you look at ancient civilizations when they were small, when we were tribes or whatever, the tribe only survived if the people worked together. Yeah. So even if they may have had differences of opinion on certain things, if you could work together, your chances of success were much greater. Yeah. So, if being kind or learning how to play with others is very important, if you want to succeed mm. or move, move forward. forward, yeah, yeah. But like, I, I think it's, I think it's so. I mean, especially in the in the time that we're living in, and and the way that. Uh, People are sort of look. There's still a lot of good in the world, and there's mm. there's still a lot of things to be appreciative for. But at the same time, there's there's this uh, distant distancing 
from each other that we're mm. all feeling. Mm. And that's driven by things like social media. Mm. Everybody thinks that this other person who's posting shit on a regular basis mm. got a fucking fantastic life. Mm. Meantime, back at the ranch, if he doesn't get likes or comments on that photo or video mm. that he worked so fucking hard on, he feels like shit. Mm. And it's like, for what? It's like, uh, it's, it's like your, the comments and mm. things that you get once mm. again gets back to what you were saying there mm. is that it gives you a sense of belonging mm. or that you recognize it as a, por- a person of importance and that or people significance. or significance and you mm. get recognized for what it is that you're doing or, or, or you're making a difference in someone else's life. Yeah. And, uh, Mark Manson, the guy from the subtle art, not giving a fuck. Yeah. He was saying that. Before the age of social media, we had a very narrow uh, understanding of, uh, what did he call it, or, or a, a very narrow social understanding. I can't think of the bloody words now. My English is run out. English. Um, what he said is, before we didn't have we didn't have the knowledge of everybody's cause that they were trying to fight for. Mm. And now we know everybody's cause. So there's so much that you can't, there's too much to focus on. Yeah. It's like if you go to a shooting range and there's one target, you've got one thing to aim for. Yeah. But now if you go to a shooting range where there's a hundred thousand targets, which one are you going to aim for? Mm. (laughs) It becomes very confusing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I agree with that. I see I see where you're going with this. It's mm. and and I think that's that's the point when it comes to your life. Mm. It's like it is your life. Mm. So you've got to make the decision. What is important to me? Mm. What am I going to focus on? Mm. I don't give a fuck what anybody else is focusing on. As long as it doesn't affect my goal, and this sounds like a very selfish way mm. to look at things, but you have to be selfish in certain regards, mm. especially when it comes to your own happiness. We've spoken mm. about this on the podcast mm. before. You have to be selfish when it comes to your own happiness because if you're not happy, you can't look after anybody. Mm. You can't you you can't help anybody mm. because it's it's fucked. If you can't, I was going to say something. Um, Oh, if you can't love yourself, you can't love your fellow man. 100%. No. 100%. Because... So you have to sort of almost be selfish in certain ways in order that you are a better person for the people around you. Yes. Yes. So I know if I've if I've gone to the cunt factory and I've, I come back in a shit mood, mm. I remove myself from the family. I go sit in the garage for 15, 20 minutes and mm. listen to music or have coffee or whatever just to get out of that mm. mindset mm. so that I don't affect the the vibe in the house. Mm. So I don't bring the negative vibe into the house. Yeah. Um, but it's also important to communicate that to the house so that they don't think, oh, he's just gone off to his garage again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need yeah. to understand I'm going there so that I can get, you know, get that. Um. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And this is the thing about it is that 
like if you take some rotten food and you mm. put it in some fresh food, what do you think is going to happen? That yeah. just a little bit of rotten food. It's all going to go rotten. It's all going to go rotten. Yeah. So there's no point mm. if you can't control your negative energy and say, mm. okay, I, I'm, I, like I recognize that I'm feeling mm. this way. And there's nothing wrong in recognizing it. Mm. You need to recognize it. Yeah, you have to be self-aware. Yeah. Otherwise. Otherwise, shit's going to happen. Yeah. And it's not going to be good shit. Yeah. So you need to recognize, okay, this is the way I'm feeling. That's fine. It, it, it sucks, but it's fine. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to acknowledge it. But I don't want to affect the the energy within mm. the house or within the group of friends that I'm dealing with. And yeah, sometimes you need to go and have a discussion with a friend mm. to for them to maybe give you some guidance or give you a little bit of help or whatever it may be. Or for them just to be a sounding board yeah. that you can vent. Yes. Yes. But after that, once you've recognized the energy has been bad, you need to do something about it. Yes. So you can't Live there. Yes. You need to recognize, okay, this is an emotion. Yes. I'm angry or I'm sad or whatever. Yeah. But it it too shall pass. Yes. Yes. So you need to do something in order to change that. Yes. Here's, here's, here's a, something I can't remember where I heard it. Uh, it's not my original thought, but it's, it's something that made a lot of sense to me. Is that... I think it was a monk who said it. I think, not sure. But this person was saying that I am not my emotions. Mm. That's true. Yeah. You are so, not your emotions. Emotions are, they're part of you, but they are not you. Yeah. So it's like your two parts of your brain. Mm. So... You have the thinking part, that's the continuous thoughts, and then you have the observer part, mm. which is more like your subconscious. Mm. So if you try to meditate, then your thinking brain is still going on. Mm. But your observing brain, if you if you meditate or through meditation, what you can do with your observing brain is like, okay, I acknowledge that. Right, next. Mm. So it's the same as what I find helpful is writing. Mm. Not that I do it as much as I should. I need to change that. It but, is therapeutic, though. But it's like if you can get that things that are bothering you out onto a piece of paper, mm. that's 90% of your problem solved. Mm. Because then you can get it out on paper and then you can think. Because to in order to write, you need to think. Mm. And just the process of writing it, you can realize that, hey, you're being a dick or, hey, the situation you're in is beyond your control. Or it's not as bad as what you actually think it is. Because mm. sometimes you'll write something down that, mm. that's affecting you and you, and you feel deeply emotional mm. about it or depressed about it. Mm. It's like what and, we were talking about on Friday. Yeah. When I got home, uh, when Renee came home, yeah. then I sat and chatted with her for a bit. And then the load was lighter. Yeah. And then I chatted with Tyron, and the load was lighter. And I yeah. chatted with Chantal, and the load was lighter. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't all my load to be. Yeah. 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 Um, and and this this is the thing is that 
sorry, to go back to what we were talking about regarding writing things down. Mm. It's like everybody's got their therapy and you've mm. got to decipher for yourself what your therapy is going to be. But getting it out, like, say, for example, on a piece of paper, it allows you to, as you say, you're thinking about what you're writing, you're mm. writing down how you're feeling, mm. but your observing mind is now looking at this and saying, uh, is this really such a big problem? Yeah. <laughs> or do you really need to worry about this? This is mm. beyond your control or whatever it is. And that automatically makes you start, makes me mm. personally start feeling better. Mm. And it's like, I think, say writing for me and you may work, but say for a painter, mm. painting is a way of working through those things. It's the same as I think the best musicians are people that are able to um, take out what's take out from their mind what's bothering them or mm. and put it into something like an art, like music or painting yeah. or or podcast or podcast or yeah. a book or a book. Mm. Yeah. So it's just different ways of finding what works for you. The the I I agree with that hundred percent, mm. but I also think that there's something to caution here. Mm. is that, and you and I both know this very mm. well, is that you can you can either do something to help yourself or mm. you can do something as an escape. Yeah. And that's where the caution comes in. Yeah. Is that you've got to realize, is this something that I revert back to because it's, a, it's an easy escape for me? Mm. Or is it something that's actually benefiting me? Is it helping me yeah. or is it hurting me? That's, that's like with me, if I... Because I like to isolate myself, mm. which is okay if it's managed within boundaries. Mm. So it's okay to go sit in the garage for an hour. Mm. That's fine. But if I go and sit in the garage for four days, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. Because then you're just ruminating. Yeah. It's the same as like before we spoke last week, I think I'd been binge watching Vikings and The Last Kingdom. Mm. And I was using it as an escape. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which wasn't beneficial. Mm. Um, but now I'll say this week, I've been listening to more podcasts and the historical stuff on the Vikings mm. where I've been listening to it, but I've been working at the same time. Yeah. So look, you can't listen to it while you're forging or grinding, yeah. but when you doing handle fitting handles or things like that, where you can listen to it, it, it's a way of letting go and getting but you're still being productive. Yeah. And it also, it, it, it's kind of like, okay, if I get this knife forged out and, mm. and normalized and ground, mm. then I know I've, I'm closer to listening to that podcast because I can do that when I'm hand sanding or mm. I can do that when I'm doing my handle fit up or whatever it is. Mm. So it's like that delayed gratification yeah. where that is also beneficial. Yeah. So like if I'm busy in the shop, I'll put music on. Mm. But then, say in the evening when I'm, because I'm trying to learn how to engrave. Mm -hmm. So then I can put a podcast on, I can listen, but I can also improve, improve my skill. Improve your skill, yeah. We're going to have to just pause because I need to uh, go into liquidation. You're taking the piss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to yeah. pause and get some coffee yeah. and then we'll be back. Sweet. We have got coffee. Yes, we're back with coffee. Yes. One of God's gifts. And a drug, by the way, because it has caffeine in it. 
Yes. The world's most accepted drug. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. It's more accepted than alcohol, actually. It is. No, nobody questions if you wake up in the morning and have a good cup of drug in drug. the morning. Yeah. It's like nobody questions it. It's just like, yes, it's accepted. Yeah. It's accepted. You, you, can, you can have tea as well, which yeah, is... Yeah, which has also got caffeine in it. Yeah, it's also got caffeine. Mm. Um, but yeah... Talk about tea. But if you smoke a joint, if you do a wake and bake, everybody's like, eyebrows are like, ah, oh, boss, boss. What are you doing? What are you doing, boss? It's a great way to start the morning, though. Like, I'm not saying every day. Yeah, but I mean, like, wake and bake is sort of not not really accepted in the general no, population. No, I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying But it. what's generally accepted is you can go to a party somewhere and get off your face fucking drunk. Yes. And that's acceptable, as long as you don't beat your wife. As long as you're not hurting anybody, I mm. don't think that it's a bad thing. I think you can definitely make a mm. fool of yourself, which mm. causes people to disrespect you and other other things like that. It's not a it's not a great quality to have. I was watching a, a podcast with um, a ca- Canadian comedian. I can't even remember his name, but he was saying um, <laughs> the funny thing he said, you know, Every generation thinks the generation that's coming is up and coming is soft. Yeah. He said, like, even when, because he's an Indian, yeah. or he's of Indian descent, he said, like, even when, like, his dad was beating him, you're so lucky that I'm beating you. Because in my day, my father threw a leopard at me. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Where did you get a leopard? Yeah, it's so- Indian, they're all around. <laughs> all around. But, but, that, um, but that is true, like. But what he said with relation to alcohol is he never drank until he was 31. Sure. And what he found is that when he when he gets drunk, he laughs a lot and he's more fun. He's mm. more funny. Mm. So that's a situation where alcohol isn't necessarily a bad thing for him. Yeah. But then you get other people who once they've got a few drinks in, they become aggressive, they become rude. They become obnoxious, and that—that's a fun discussion to have. Let's have yeah. that discussion. Yeah, let's have that discussion okay. because I mean, I was chatting to my oh, that, that what Jordan Peterson calls it calls it is that in in your real life you are a certain type of person, mm. but when you drink, you become your shadow. Okay, so like. What Jordan Peterson said, is, because it was an interview with, between him and his daughter and this comedian, he said, that's actually quite good, is that in your in your life, in the light or in your normal life, you're a happy, fun type of guy, you make people laugh, but your shadow person is the same type of person, so it's not a demon. Mm. 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 Whereas I think some people, quite a lot of people actually, when they drink, that, that you become your shadow and sometimes your shadow is not a nice person. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a I, – I had an interesting thought the other day just based based very much on this, very much on this. In Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. Aya uh, Stark uh, has those masks that she, she gets to use. Right. Now, which one is Aya? Aya is the Aya, one with the needle. The needle. Okay, yeah. yeah. The, the sword called Needle that yeah. uh, Jon uh, Snow gave her. Mm. Anyway, now, 
she it's it's called the god of many faces or something like that yeah uh, so i was thinking the other day and and this is very much based on on what we're talking about is that and it's a bit of an out there thought but i mean just talking about how different things affect you and the different people that you can become whether you influenced by alcohol or weed or psilocybin or whatever drug that you all choose the people to use. you're around all the people that you're around because what we're very good at doing is we're very good at putting on masks yes 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 but i think if you are when you become intoxicated yeah the masks come on anyways no you know, the masks fall away so you can't hide your demons Hmm. Or your shadow, your ability to control yeah. the, the mask you're wearing, yes, falls face. away. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's so let's have that discussion. So, because so so <clears throat> driven by this whole thought with Aya Stark and the 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 face, the the god of many faces, I believe mm. it was called. It's like okay. Uh, I know that when I have weed in my system. I, I generally get very excitable and mm. and very uh, pretty loud. Mm. I, I mean, mm. I can get loud when I'm excited about mm. th- things in a sober state mm. of mind, but I know that I get loud, when, like particularly loud, mm. when I am on weed. I get more excited. I feel like I'm more <coughs> funny, but I'm not really mm. sure. Um, and I like making people laugh, and that gives mm. me it gives me a kick. Mm. Like if I can make somebody who I love laugh mm. and and like have a good time and, mm. and they're hysterically laughing, it mm. makes me feel amazing. Mm. It's like I'm fueling myself off of mm. that energy, and it's and it's 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 incredible. Mm. When I when I get a little tipsy, mm. I don't often get drunk because I don't enjoy getting mm. drunk. It's just not something I enjoy. Mm. Um, I get tipsy and I get a little bit on my ear, but not not stone drunk. Mm. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, I've sort of got a, an autopilot built in, which yeah. is, it took many years to perfect, is that normally, like, when I still play uh, football with my friend Aaron, it's like we'd go out to a club or something, we'd be drinking because it was fun. It hurts too much the next day now, that's why I don't do it. But I would have this autopilot, and there would be a certain point in the evening when this autopilot kicks in, mm. I just say to him, oh, cheers, I'm going. And he's like, but he can see that I'm like really hammered. Yeah. And it's like, I'm gone. Gone. It's like the autopilot kicks in. Yeah. Freaking, I know. You, you it's fucking no, phone. I can be halfway through a drink or yeah. just water drink and they're like, uh, no, it's autopilot yeah. kicks in. Yeah. Reroute, go home. Go home, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, I've, I've related to this once before, but I mean, Joe Rogan spoke about it in a much more humorous manner. Mm. Um, but I found that as well, and it's so fucking true. It's mm. so true. And I wish this was, I mean, I wish I was a comedian and I had broadcasted this before Joe Rogan had, because I I thought of this before I heard Joe Rogan speak about this. And okay. I, I'm not trying to make myself sound like whatever but i mean i've said it before where you go you go to the urinal mm. and there's that time that the urinal when you when you go to the the toilet at a bar and you're standing at the urinal and you're just standing there and you're like 
Ooh, either there's two there's two points mm. there's one point in the evening where you're like yeah I'm feeling good I'm mm. feeling good I can still aim yeah it's fine I can still piss into this little uh, <coughs> you know you, 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 a guy when a guy's pissing he's like if there's something to aim you can bet your fucking money he's gonna aim for it yeah. or he's gonna make circles or if there's little holes in the pee thing it's he's gonna like, try and hit each individual circle like the pee mats that came up that have got a picture of a fly on it yeah <laughs> Something yeah. to aim for. You're gonna aim for it. It's just a male thing to do, mm. and and females won't understand this just because of the nature of the beast. But yeah. I mean, like that is what a dude will do. If he's taking a piss outside, he's gonna aim for something. Mm. You can bet your fucking money on it. Mm. I, I I don't just arbitrarily just piss wherever. Mm. I just I aim for something, mm. right? And it's and it's instinctual. It's mm. just something in us. Anyway, but so. When you have a few drinks, you go to the urinal and you're like, you're still feeling good. You're like, okay, I'm fine. And then the second one, you're like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> this is, and Joe Rogan put this over so beautifully. He put it over so beautifully. He says like, they'll get, they'll, there'll be that time in the evening. Where you go to the urinal at the bar and you're like, you're forced to look at this white surface and you're peeing. And you kind of talking to yourself in your head, and you're like, "I should leave, right? Like, <laughs> like this is this is the point where yeah. I should leave." Yeah, you know, because like, you start reevaluating your life, and it's so fucking true. You're like, mm. I'm, "I'm I'm a bit smashed. Like I should probably go home." Yeah, you know, and it and it's so true. It's so so true. But if you think about it, you know, if you go to the run, you you're aiming for something. I think that's part of your life is you have to aim for something. If you fail to prepare, mm. you prepare mm. to fail. It's like by not making a decision, you're making a decision. You're making a decision not to make a decision. Exactly. And sometimes it's the best decision to make. So I think it's it, it relates to like controlling your emotions or something. To a certain extent, is you should recognize the fact that you're not in the the mental state or the place to make a good decision. So then you shouldn't make a decision. Because some things that happen, irrespective of what decision you make, it's not going to change anything. And it'll pass. But if you make a decision to do something drastic, like everybody makes these New Year's resolutions. I'm going to go on a diet, which lasts for like a month if you're fucking lucky. Yeah. I don't know why people are always so compelled to be so vocal about their New Year's resolutions. It's like, why not just say it in your – have your own say <clears throat> in your head and carry it through? I think that's half better because a lot of the times when you say, I'm going to do this – you never do it. You never do it. No. If you can, like, let's say, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with New Year's resolutions. Yeah. But it depends, like, how disciplined are you? That's mm. the question. Is like, okay, so maybe your New Year's resolution is to, to work out more, start eating better, be more healthy, mm. and, and things like that. And you do that for maybe two weeks. 
as soon as you fail, mm. and you will fail at some point, mm. there'll be a day or two days or three days or maybe even a week mm. where you're just not keen or life's getting in the way or something happens that, that you don't feel like doing it or going on that run or going to the gym mm. or, or doing meditation or whatever it is that you're mm. wanting to do. The sooner you can recognize that this is becoming a pattern that you're going back to your negative, mm. your, your, your bad routine, the sooner you can get back onto your original goal, mm. the better. I because think, you, you start respecting mm. yourself once you can, you can say, okay, I see this is becoming a problem. I'm going to do something about it. Mm. And you don't have to do drastic. To do drastic things is very, very difficult mm. to make drastic changes. But mm. what you can do is focus on, as Jocko says, discipline equals freedom. So you can maybe start on, look, I'm going to get out of bed 7 o'clock or 4 o'clock, whatever the fuck can blow your head back. But you work on small micro goals like, I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to make my bed. Mm. And by building those successes early on in the day, it makes the rest of your day a bit better. Yeah. So say you say you, you don't want to you want to stop cut down your drinking, for mm. instance. And then you have that one bender, and then the next day you wake up and you you're so hard on yourself, and it's like, okay, right, we've made we failed. Mm. Right, let's get back on the wagon. And let's try and because I think a lot of people's goals are are shallow. How so? They they're shallow and meaningless. So it's like um let's try and find a good example of it. Uh say your goal would be I want to eat. I want to eat. <laughs> I want to eat healthier. Yeah. Okay. So what's healthier? What's the definition of it? Yeah. <clears throat> it's not quite on the point, but <clears throat> if your goal is why you want to eat healthier, okay, I want to eat healthier because I want to have a better quality of life in terms of health. Mm. And having a better health, uh, quality of health means I won't get sick as often and I will be less miserable because I'm sick. Because you won't be as, you'll be less miserable because you're less sick. Mm-hmm. And if you're less miserable because you're less sick, it means you're a nicer person to be around. Mm-hmm. Which means, in essence, your goal should, your goal is to be a nicer person. Mm. And I'm going to do it by eating healthier. Yeah. So that I can I'll have more energy. I won't be as I won't get as sick as often. I won't mm. be miserable. The benefits will result in me being uh, I think it relates to what are your values. And some values are shitty and some values are good. Yeah. And and going back to what what you're saying there about shallow goals. Mm. It's like I think that's I think that's also driven a lot by social media. Let's say mm. somebody wants to work out like their New Year's resolution. I want to have a six-pack. I want to have a six-pack. I want to have a good chest. I want to have some nice arms on me by the end of this year. I want to. I want to. I re- really want to look good. Yeah, I want to look like they, a, a fucking model. 
because they you're comparing yourself to others. Yes. So so that becomes now it's not it's no longer about you doing exercise because it's good for your body to mm-hmm. exercise is good for your mind. It's uh, you know it, it becomes less about that and more about what are people seeing in me mm. that they're going to admire me for? Mm. And that becomes a right. that becomes vanity. It also becomes a very shallow way of looking at your health. Mm. And it no, it's no longer about benefiting yourself. It's it's about benefiting your ego. Yeah. Feeding the ego. Feeding the ego. I, that's I think that's that's the best way of describing where where I say that a lot of people's goals are shallow. Because yeah. they're feeding an ego. So it's, it's as Grant always says, it's, it's why. Mm. It's the why. Mm. What What's the why? Mm. Why are you doing it? Mm. Are you doing it because you genuinely want to improve your health or improve your, like, like let's say I want to read 10 books by the end of three months or whatever, mm. or whatever it is. Is it the fact that you can just say, oh, well, I read these 10 books yeah. in three months or is it that you genuinely want to improve your 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 reading capability and your knowledge on different things? It's like, are you doing it so you can boast? Yes. Or are you doing it because you want to improve yourself? Yes. So it's like if you go to uh, – I worked with one of the guys, um, and he was in the Air Force on engineering side and he said they always refer to the jet pilots as flamgat because they're always these vindgat or mm. that type of persona mm. and he said how do you know is it the person is a jet pilot because they fucking tell you oh. <laughs> it's the same as how do you know someone's got an MBA because they fucking tell you yeah. they're like throwing it at you Yeah, and it's... I don't <clears throat> that's the wrong way to look at it mm. So if you say, I want to read 10 books, I want to focus on reading X amount of books in a certain amount of time. Mm. The goal is not to read the books so you can say, I read all these books. Yeah. The goal should be, I'm reading these books because it's going to give me a great understanding yes. or it's going to make me a better person. Yes. yes. Um, and it goes down to your core values. Yeah. So I think everybody needs to actually do the grant thing and ask why. Yeah. Why am I doing this? Yes. Yes. And if you can, because that's the only way you can get down to your core values. Yeah. And understanding your core values. Because if you've got a negative behavior, it's because one of your values says that is acceptable. Yes. Um, so by re-evaluating your values, you can say, hang on. This is not good for me. This makes me an asshole. Yeah. Uh, I need to change that value in order to change the behavior. Because without changing the value, you're not going to be able to change the behavior long term. Mm. Well, if you look at it in simple, well, it's not a simple term, but I mean, if you look at a simple example and and an exceptional example at Mm. that, is somebody like David Goggins. Mm. Okay. No doubt the guy's got an amazing body. Mm. He's got an incredibly well-built. He's got a bit of a strange build, but Mm. he's very well-built. The only only way that I can describe what I see 
mm. when it comes to David Goggins is that it's not about the body. It's about what can I force my body to do mm. by the power of my mind. Mm. I think it's a lot of his stuff is he's fighting the demons because he had a really shit upbringing. I mean, he was black in the heart of KKK. Yeah. I mean, the KKK marched in the, like, 4th of July. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? But um, he's fighting his demons because his goal is he wants to get to the end of his life and know that he's achieved everything he could have achieved. Yeah. Um, and it's his extreme work ethic and discipline. Mm. Like, when he wakes up in the morning, he doesn't want to fucking go right. Mm. He doesn't want to work out, mm. but he does it because the discipline gives him the freedom um, to have a successful life. Mm. And this, this, is, this is ultimately what I'm trying to get back to, is mm. that if what you're trying to do is, if you've got a solid foundation for new habits that you're trying to develop, and yes, that it takes time to get into them and you're going to fail from mm. time to time, but you, you just need to keep going. But the point is, is that if the foundation of what you're trying to do is solid, then you have a solid platform on which to build. Yeah, and if, if your platform is solid and something goes wrong and you fall back a bit, it's easier to rebuild. Yeah. So if your foundation is shallow and mm. or, or not solid, if you fall down a bit, then everything's destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just you you don't stop at the ground; you fall below it. Well, it's like the 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 biblical story of the 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 three houses that were built in different environments. The the one house the man built it on sand. Mm and the winds and the floods came and swept mm. it away because mm. what it did you know the sand wasn't a solid foundation yeah and some other guy built it on some other foundation which was a little bit better but not really mm. and then the other man built, built it on rock mm. which is more mm. difficult to to carve into the rock to make a foundation yeah but the winds came the floods came and the house stood. And the house stood. Mm. So if your if your foundation is solid, no matter what trials and tribulations come your way, you can withstand them. Like the three little pigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's the same. It's the same, same story. Yeah. That would have been a better story to use. But yeah. I, I I always go to the biblical because that's what I know. I know a, a fair amount. And I think, irrespective of what religion is. <clears throat> If the core values are to make you a better person, then who are you or me to judge whether it's a good religion or a bad religion? Yeah, yeah. Because the goal is, if the goal is to make you a better person, then I think it's beneficial. Yes, yes. And, you know, here's the thing. It's like so many people, and I, I don't want to say everybody. I'm not generalizing. I'm saying this. There's a lot of people out there who think that that religion is good and there's a lot of people out there who think religion is bad and, and trying to keep people in bubbles, which I think is true to a degree. Mm. But at the same time, it's like if you can just look at it for what it is mm. in its purest form, mm. if, you can, if you can just ignore the bad attributes of religion 
and and say, okay, let me just look at this objectively. What can I learn from this? Mm. What can I benefit from this? Mm. What can I take from this that is beneficial? And say, I'm going to implement this in my life because it is beneficial, no mm. matter whether I'm religious or not. I, I mean, even a non-religious person could look at certain aspects or certain virtues that are encouraged in the Bible mm. and say, yes, these are good qualities. Mm. It's undeniable. Yeah. Like if you look at that, so to say, pagan, the, the pagan Viking beliefs in Odin and Thor, mm. one of their core values was to die with honor mm. so that you can go to Valhalla. Mm. So they, what they saw in their society as being good was to be a good warrior mm. and to die with honor. Mm. So like facing death in a – how can I say it? You prepared to die. For your cause. For your cause. Yeah. So – It's almost it's a good value to have. Mm. Like if you've got something you believe in, mm. being willing to die for it is a good thing. Okay, mm. but then you can also take it too far. Yeah, it's like my belief is X, yours is Y. Mm. You don't believe X, so therefore I must kill you. Mm. That's a bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah well, I I think like, one doesn't want to grow a persecution complex, but. Mm. Like I think that fundamentally, if you if you can say that something that you believe in that you believe in something so much that you're willing to die for it, that ultimately says that this is a very strong belief of yours, and you're gonna mm. you're gonna go to the grave because that is what you believe, and you're willing to die for it, and that's what a martyr is. Yeah, a martyr is somebody who will die. Because they're not willing to compromise on their beliefs. Mm. Yeah. Which is, it's a good value to have. It's, an, it's, it's sort of admirable, mm. but as you say, you can take it too far. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's, once again, it's all about balance. But that's, that's why I think what's been lost in, the, in, in social media to a certain extent is that, fine, you believe that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to believe it. Yeah. Because it's not based, not everything is based on fact mm. or science. Mm. So, whether you, if you believe that, then I must respect your uh, belief of it. It doesn't mean that we can't have a conversation about it, mm. which I think is what's happened is you can't talk about certain things because. Of people getting offended. Of people getting offended. And if you're getting offended, it means the problem is with you. Yeah. I mean, like people wanting to rewrite history. History is not there to be agreed with or be happy with. It's what happened. Yeah. And a lot of times history is written by the victor, which is has its own bias. But mm. whether or not you like it, it happened. Mm. So what are you going to do about it? in order to prevent it happening again or make it better. Mm. This this is the other thing about offense is that like 
if you're going to have a discussion about something and and you're expecting another person to use to to not use certain words and things like that and yeah there's the and this is within reason i mean mm. don't get me wrong this there's, there's definitely things that a person shouldn't say is mm. there's racial things that a person shouldn't say and I, and i think we've come a long way in terms of not using racialistic terms anymore <clears throat> for the most part there's still people who do it and i and i think people like that should be uh, beaten with a stick but um but i think that there there's certain things that are just getting ridiculous now mm. it's like you can't say certain things now just because it's like it it's like you you can't say it anymore it's mm. just it's and it's and it's you're being robbed of all these useful terms mm. that that have no real uh, malice to them or bad mm. connotations toward mm. them but people are just getting so extreme now because they have more of a voice but but it's, it's always the <clears throat> it's always the loudest people that get heard not necessarily the most the wisest people mm. Mm. So <clears throat> you know people should have freedom of expression. Mm. But they must realize that with the freedom of expression comes greater responsibility. There's uh you can't be free of the consequences. Yeah. So if I want to say something racist I should be allowed to say it but at the same time it doesn't mean I'm exempt from the consequences of it. Mm. So like where we are in South Africa if you say something racist there are serious consequences for you. And yeah. there's people that have been sent to jail because of it. Yeah. Which is right in a certain way but then at the same time it goes back to the universe, universal law is that if it applies to me it must apply to you as well yes and like one of the guys I, I saw on youtube they got a a hard strike or whatever because they said something that was deemed to be bullying of a uh a recognized minority or a, some bullshit to um where you can say x y and z but you can't say x y and z about an identified group of people mm. so i can say to you you're wrong for smoking mm. but if you were say to say an identified uh, group of people i couldn't say that to you which is wrong right because it's not what applies to one must apply to the other yeah otherwise otherwise it's immoral then it's the same as apartheid yeah because what applied to one group of people didn't apply to the other yeah and i think in a fair just society the rules must be clear mm. and they must apply to everyone yeah Well this is the thing we we I don't think any society is purely fair and just. It, it, I I don't think it's possible. And it's, and the thing is the world isn't fair. Yeah. Um it's not your fault you're born into poverty. Mm. But you can do something about it. Mm. Okay? 
the road is much harder yeah. than, say, someone who's born into a middle-class or upper-class environment. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, you know, if you're born into upper-class, you can always go backwards. Mm. So it's what do you do with what you're given? Mm. And the world is never going to be fair. Mm. Um, if you're lucky enough to be born in America, you're in the land of the free and home of the brave, so to say. But if you're born in deepest, darkest Central Africa, your your environment is, is a lot harsher. Mm. And yeah. it's more difficult. Yeah. And yeah. I think we need to recognize that, you know, people have got different life experience. Mm. So you shouldn't judge, so to say, a person at where they are because you should be based on where you are. Mm. You should judge a person of where, how far have they come. Mm. 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 Yeah, and I think that... Um, You know, like getting back to what we were talking about regarding taking offense. Mm. It's like, okay, you know, yes, there's 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 valid reasons for offense. Mm. Sure, hundred percent. But at the same time, you can't you can't take offense like without like if, if you and I are having a discussion and we disagree mm. upon something mm. and you and I say to you, well, this is the way I see it. Mm. And you automatically just take offense. Mm. But I'm not trying to be offensive. Mm. I'm trying to discuss it with you. Mm. And I'm trying to understand mm. what it is that you're telling me and why you're thinking the way you're thinking. Mm. But if you just take offense to that, what benefit is it? There's no benefit because without discussion, there can be no understanding. Yeah. And a lot of what happens is that... And it's based on the way, so to say, media is run, that everything's got to be a short point-form argument. Mm. Instead of having a long-form discussion where you can, which will lead to greater understanding, not necessarily a change in beliefs, but if you believe X, Y, and Z, and we discuss it, and I say, but I believe this mm. because of X, Y, and Z, yeah. at the end of the day, it's not our egos getting involved mm. because we're trying to have understanding. Yes. And if I can understand you better, then I can help you or I can be a better person to you. And and adding to what you're saying there is that this is part of the reason why you and I are good, such good friends mm. is that we're able to – and this is partly due to, to uh, the podcast mm. 100%. Because we we forced to have these long term conversations, mm. but at the same time we do flip and enjoy them. Yeah, it's, and 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 sorry if I can mm. just get to my point here. The the point of it is that we we do have these long term conversations for the podcast, but while doing that, we're getting a greater understanding of. I'm getting a greater understanding of you as a person. You're mm. getting a greater understanding of me as a person. We developing. Uh, the ability to have long-term conversations without getting offended or without having uh, 
arguments or disagreements or whatever it may be. And yeah, we disagree upon certain things, but mm. I mean, at the end of the day, if we could disagree upon them and still talk about them, mm. that's the crux of the matter mm. is just being able to discuss things mm. and that will enable people to be, to be friends, to be mm. but more, more understanding toward one another. More understanding because we are all different. But being different doesn't make it necessarily better or worse. Yeah. So if you can't have the conversations without offense, you cannot convey knowledge. So my belief system is based on my knowledge. Mm. Yours is based on your knowledge. Mm. But if I can learn from your knowledge as well through having the discussion, then my knowledge is greater. After yes. the conversation, the yes. same as your knowledge will be greater after the conversation. Yes, and 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 your and your knowledge on things is, is also, it's based on so many things. As you mm. say, it's based on your experiences mm. as a person and all of that stuff. But it's also most certainly based on on the uh, upbringing that you've had. Sorry about that. The mm. upbringing that you've had the religious moral standing mm. that you've had or, mm. or or whatever it may be, mm. these are all things that affect the way you see things. Mm. And so having disagreements and arguments and things like that, it's, it's going to happen. Mm. You're living in a fucking fairy tale mm. if you think that it's not going to happen. Mm. Of course it's going to happen. But how do we deal with it? Yeah. We're adults. We don't have to scream and shout. Yeah. We're not children. No, we don't have to go to war about it. Yeah. But there are some times when war is justified. Not to say it isn't, but sometimes just by having the discussion, you can avoid that. Yeah. And I think people should be free to have those discussions because how is are we as a species going to grow if we can't convey knowledge and we can't have discussions because then you have what they call echo chambers, which are bad. So what happens in echo chambers is that you get a, a, a small group that has a certain belief system and everything else is shit. Mm. And they only talk about their belief system. So they don't learn about a different belief system and they can't question are my values good or bad or are my beliefs good or bad? Because they don't know what the other beliefs are. Yeah. And yeah. they're not interested in knowing it. Yeah. Um, because of prejudice and ego. Mm. And I think... Well, it, it, you, you almost want to have a big fucking conference mm. with an ambassador from each nationality throughout mm. the world mm. and, like, everybody gets a chance to discuss their shit mm. and discuss their viewpoints and stuff. Mm. And everybody's exempt of any, like... Like, I'm not saying they should say racist terms or anything like no. that. I'm just saying, like, anything that is said in that meeting that they, they, they're not held accountable for what they said, mm. what is said and things like that. Mm. It's just every everything gets discussed. Everything is gets clarified and shit mm. like that. And then we, we take that and we put that shit out there and we say, listen, guys, mm. this is what we're dealing with. Mm. Like... When dealing with Arabs or when dealing with European people mm. or when dealing with South Africans, mm. you just want to fucking brine drink all the time. Like, mm. you know, just like 
just have this discussion. We're all fucking humans. Mm. If there was an alien invasion mm. that was happening tomorrow, mm. I fucking guarantee it that we would all stand together mm. and say, listen, guys, these guys are fucking threatening us. Mm. We need to stand together mm. or we fucked. Yeah. How, what are the chances that everybody gets on board? The chance is pretty good because the, the consequences are death mm. and destruction of everything you know and believe in. So, like, if you compare, say, American culture and, say, Chinese culture, mm. they're very different. Okay? Some things that happen in America are not great. Mm. Some things that happen in China are also not great mm. in terms of, like, say, slave labor or things like that. But if you look Do at... Do they have slave, slave labor? In China, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, shit. Child labor, it's it's well popular, it's well published. But the thing is, if you look at the individual, the Chinese have got a very very high work ethic, mm-hmm. whereas the Americans don't have the same level. Now you can't judge the person based on the country they come from. You have to judge them on the individual. Mm. So it's all right to have different groups, but you have to treat everybody as an individual. Mm. Because even within that group, mm. there are small little subgroups and subgroups that the, the narrower you go, the more differences you'll pick up. Mm. But if you treat someone as an individual and not as a group, yes, it's it's better. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I spent almost two months in China and. I have to say that their worth work ethic um, and their pride in that ethic is much greater than South Africa. Mm. I mean, in the factory we put up that some of the, so to say, operators, which is like just manual labor, had a degree. But they realized that in order to get ahead, they had to follow a certain path. They had to get the experience. Um, and being disciplined in that is a good it's a good value Mm. well I mean if you look at a a nation a nation that I've always very much respected is uh, the Japanese Mm. for their discipline Mm. and their 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 way of like it seems like anything that they do is done to the best of their ability Mm. with no fucking excuses and and a lot of that, a lot of the mindset changed in Japan after World War Two, because mm-hmm. before, like made in Japan was seen as like made in China. But then I think the the history of Japan, if you look at their master craftsmen, if you were a you could only be a master in one very narrow field. Mm. So you were a master at forging a blade or you were mm. a master at polishing the, blade. polishing the blade or whatever. Yeah. And they recognized that as <clears throat> in order to, to get the end product, you have to master all the small steps in it. Mm. And by doing that after World War II, Japanese cars are some of the best cars in the market. Because of that attention to detail and that ethic behind, if I'm going to do this, 
I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in Western cultures, they say, I'm going to do this so that I can have, put a roof over my head. Mm. One of the one of the very respected uh, tools that we use for measuring is Metatoyo, which is a Japanese mm. company. Mm. And very, very good quality tools, measuring mm. tools. Um, and when I when I see, I mean, some of the tools that I've got here, uh, it's made in Japan, some mm. of them made in Taiwan and things like that. But I mean, when I look at the, the tools that are made in Japan, I'm like, I love this tool mm. because I know it fucking works because I use it and mm. it works fucking well. Mm. And it's great. Mm. Now, if you compare, say, Japan to China, mm. China's different in that they have such a huge population that uh, they have to get quantity out mm. as opposed to quality. But yeah. believe me when I say in 20 years' time, that quality is going to be so much better than what we see it as now. Mm. You reckon? Yeah. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. And let's hope the prices stay the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think that was an excellent discussion. Yeah, I think we can call it there because otherwise we'll just go on forever. We will go on forever. And we need and to save something for the next episode. We do. We do. Yeah. We do. Which we could record tonight. Well, maybe. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but guys, thank you so much once again for if you've made it through this. till this point. We really appreciate you listening all the way through. Mm. Uh, we know we've got a, a couple of loyal supporters mm. that we really appreciate, mm. and um, we appreciate you guys following us on Instagram. Uh, if you're not following us on Instagram, please mm. go to the Open Hearthcast on Instagram yeah. and uh, check us out there. We keep updates of what we're doing in terms of our work, in mm. terms of collaborations, in terms of the podcasts as well. Mm. Thanks so much for joining, Tim. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to see you, Watson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great one, guys, and we'll see you on the next episode. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Open Hearthcast. Find us on Instagram at Open Hearthcast, and we'll see you again real soon.